put my gun away. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy. I pray that you would have your Holy Spirit just lead and guide our conversation this afternoon. I pray, Father, for Mike. I thank you for allowing me to have such a cool friend, Father, who... Lord God, just in, in times of, of hardship has always been there for me. I pray, Father, you'd bless him, Lord God. I pray, Father, you'd give him the power, Lord God, to speak, Father, that what the Holy Spirit has directed him to. And Father, that he wouldn't be uh, even self-conscious, Lord God, but that this conversation, Lord God, would just be something that edifies, something that builds up each other's relationship, Father. And Lord God, we pray that you would use this in other people's lives, Father, that people would be blessed and ministered to, Father. Uh, I thank you, Father, for for friendship, and I thank you for fellowship. We love you. We praise you and thank you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Welcome, uh, Mike Sanchez. How are you, bro? Good, man. Thank you for having me, dude. I'm super stoked about being able to do ministry uh, in a time like this. In a time like this, do you want to explain what I mean? Uh, (laughs) COVID-19, I I don't think it it requires too much explanation at the moment. Uh, Hot item. Yeah. We were just... uh, I welcome Mike into the house. We had to quarantine him before he came in to do the That's inspection. Right. It was like an orange <laughs> fluid they sprayed on me like at a car wash. Oh gosh. That's a lie. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um how are you how are you handling our current situation with COVID nineteen? You know, I'm um well, I think it's affecting everybody uh tremendously, but I um I don't think my personal life has been affected as much as other people because um ministry in these recent times has not been um as much a position that i'm in as it was before i formerly was like assistant pastor at calvary chapel hollywood or um the times i was teaching uh drug and alcohol recovery at um calvary chapel golden springs or um things like that which would have hugely changed like what i was um, because to me, like ministry is a bigger definition of who I am than like my job or whatever. Mm-hmm. So lucky for me on a practical side, like my job, um, continues. I'm a construction worker, so there's continued work with that. And then I'm married to an introvert. <laughs> so yeah. my wife is not like dying cause she needs to be at her family's house. Like this is my wife loves lockdown, like mm-hmm. just chilling on the couch and watching TV and playing with the baby. So my life hasn't changed personally in that way. It hasn't changed work-wise. And then ministry-wise has been one-on-one mostly in these last couple of years. So that's that's an adjustment that's not easy for me, mm-hmm. but it's one that I've already had to make before this happened. So um, in that way, I feel like I haven't been as affected. But in, in the way that it affects everybody, obviously, um, you know, like what's happening in our entire world, yeah, I mean, it's a crazy, crazy... Yeah, are you concerned right now for your loved ones at all? I'm con... No, mm, that's a good question. Mm. Uh, and I want to make sure I answer it as honestly as possible. I I have a tremendous concern for my family mm-hmm. um, in that they're fearful, some of them, mm-hmm. and obviously you know i know that the the virus can affect and is affecting everybody but older people in my family i'm worried on a practical side but for most of my family um that's older that are believers 
Uh, I know that they have like an eternal perspective. And then um, I, I kind of feel excited a little bit about my family as non-believers in the sense that they're listening super carefully mm-hmm. to to things that I'm saying or to things I've told them. I recently had somebody tell me that um, things that I've shared with them have been echoing in their in their thoughts, things I've shared with them in the past. And I know that that's happening because they're thinking yeah. instead of just living distracted. So I'm not concerned. I'm, I'm excited kind of for my family. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That sounds kind of weird, but I am, I am concerned though, like in the practical side, you know, of, of what's going on. I mean, just worried about the older people and, and I'm worried. I am concerned also for my family and their finances because a lot of people can't work right now. Yeah. And the beginning side of that, it's like, oh, it's going to get bad. But then once your money starts running out, then it starts getting really scary because some people just can't make income right now. Mm-hmm. So a little, a little concern for them. Yeah. For me uh, right now, I've, I've been talking to so many people. Uh, I've been talking to cousins, fam- mm-hmm. friends, family members, a lot of Christians, non-Christians alike. And what the situation has brought was just so much more communication. Mm. So much more where now people are, they're open to hear when I start to talk about Jesus and his return. They're open to hear what, what does the Bible say concerning, gosh, plagues, pestilence, all, all that type of stuff. And I'm excited for what God is doing with conversation right now. I'm excited for what God is doing with my friends and loved ones where he's bringing us back together because we're so caught up sometimes with business and going to church or going to work and we're distanced and spread apart and we think we're all connected on via social media. Mm. But now we're realizing conversation. Mm. It's like, it's so vital right now where I'm having these in-depth talks and bringing people in on what it is to be a Christian right now, mm. which is cool. Uh, yeah, I, I, right now, I don't know how, uh, how work is for you. So it's a bit confusing. Um, and you can see confusion on, you know, cause people are so used to being a voice of authority, like a foreman or, mm-hmm. you know, a, a person running a job site. And so they, they, they get used to existing in, in somewhat of a facade. Usually it's not cause they are in control, but it turns into a form form of a, a facade when you could tell that they don't know mm-hmm. what to say, but they're trying to pretend that they got it under control. And and the bottom line is that this thing is changing so um, rapidly as far mm-hmm. as instruction, like what's acceptable, what's not, that I could just see. Uh, I could just see when a person's trying to pretend, you know, mm-hmm. and. Uh, um, so that's that that's been you know they're trying I'm I'm a construction worker and they're trying to make sure that they keep a six foot distance between people and oh gosh yeah, yeah. And, and you know and so um, that's hard in a man lift I'm a, I mean so when I first got to the job site yesterday uh, they were like you know all right only one person at a time in the uh-huh. man lift and you you're picturing a job site with two hundred people on it and you're gonna take them up one person at a time to whatever floor they got to yeah. go to. And that quickly turned to a five people in it at a time. And then I took the stairs myself. I was working mm-hmm. on level six. And so this was my first day on the job and I had all my tools with me because they came from another job site and I climb up the stairs and, uh, and I'm like super out of breath when I get to the sixth floor. Yeah. So it's, it's confusing though. It's it, to, to say the least the job sites. 
kind of confusing, but I'm super thankful that I have work, bro. I was concerned for, it was me and two other coworkers I was going to be working with on Friday. And Thursday night, once the governor or the mayor shut down the quarantine, I felt responsible because these two guys were kind of come to help me mm -hmm. on this big job. And so I felt concerned of what if I go out to this building? It's a corporate business. I do HVAC. And these guys get sick because I needed them to come help me. Mm. And I was like, and then so I, I talked, uh, I got some input from my supervisors. The customer was still approving the work. So I was like, okay, like, and both the, the guys I work with, they were down. Um, so there's definitely a concern, uh, I think, for... Yeah, uh, and that, that on that, uh -huh. I mean, uh, you can kind of start to get, like, overwhelmed uh -huh. when the, with, like, the analyzing of drawing lines. Like, yeah. like, even coming to visit today, we talked, to, you know, when I got here, like, mm -hmm. wash your hands. Like, and I think uh, for Christians, I think it's important for us to not get too overwhelmed in where we're supposed to draw lines and really focus on just God using us at this time. Yeah. So, because I feel this, if I sit there long enough and think about it, then everything starts yeah. to feel like, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah you know sure. what I mean? So, uh, I hear you, dude, but I think you got to just give it to God. Like you're going to have somebody who's totally bunkered down, like, mm -hmm. you know, tape around their doors to make mm -hmm. sure air doesn't come in. And if they're going to get sick, they're going to get sick. Something they didn't think about. And then you're, you, there's some fool out there right now. And, and I'll, liberally call him a fool he's like that doesn't matter and just walking yeah. around and, and he might be spared in a time like this so right. I, I don't i don't want to become too overly you know like i'm not an expert on drawing mm -hmm. the lines i'm not saying that that's not an important thing but i'm not and I, I just want to make sure that at this time i could be as effective as i can as a christian as a person who has god in me and he's flowing through me what does that look like in the setting that we're in that that what does the spirit do in this scenario through my life? And I think Christians need to start asking themselves that question daily mm -hmm. so that it, see, because when we get used to our platform, like, okay, I know on this day and on this day, that's when the, I'm going to rely on the spirit working through me. But those have been taken from us. Like mm -hmm. you don't have like Sunday morning or this night or this day. And so you, there's something healthy about that though, right? Because now you're looking at a Christian who's kind of, who kind of has to stay ready constantly for the opportunity that he's not aware can be placed in front of him and i think that that's uh the responsibility of christians right now yeah you know so um yeah and how fast things have been changing is is, is insane yeah uh, i was talking to a friend yesterday and before i was on the conversation i had a phone call with him i think on the 12th this month and we were supposed to get together but he, he couldn't make it and then I hadn't talked to him for like less, a week and a half. I hadn't talked to him for a week and a half. And the last time I talked to him, mm. there was no topic of COVID-19 at all, no coronavirus, anything. And then I called him yesterday and I was like, bro, like the last time we talked, this was not even a topic at all. Like we had, this was not in our conversation, nothing. I, and then day by day, things just progressed. I was at the gym and the announcement came on, hey, at 10 o'clock tonight, we're going to be shutting down until April 1st. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. And then so I was like, okay, like what else is going to close? Um, me and my girlfriend went to see the, our last movie. We saw the, the Jeremy Camp. Like, oh, was that good? 
It was okay. It was good. It was good. It was good. I I enjoyed it for um it was a great story, right? It was a great story. Yeah. It was good. It was good. I didn't yeah. even see it, so I don't even yeah. know. I know I'm, I'm, I'm super picky with my movies. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, you're yeah. a film buff though, so yeah. that's like Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. So uh Lieutenant Dan had legs in it. Yeah, so that, that was one reason to go see it. Uh, some of the act. What I do notice now in Christian movies, you, you, is the, <laughs> you film snob, you. <laughs> yeah. What What I do notice now, Christian movies are getting better. Uh, mm. I like the actors that they're they're portraying in it. Yep. Um, Agreed. Which is cool, it, and it was a cool story. Um, and then the other, they kept it, I think, really realistic to what Jeremy Kemp's life was. Mm. They mentioned Calvary Chapel in it, and I was like, yeah. Like I Shout knew, I know, <laughs> I know, those guys. I knew, I'm one of those. I guys. know, right? And then I, I was, uh, so it, it was cool. Um, talked about the whole uh, soulmate issue thing, but we could talk about that later. I don't know that's it's kind of a weird topic to go from COVID nineteen to to soulmates. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, went to the movies. That was the last bit that we had, uh, and. Oh, after that, everything's closed. Yeah, I, I could. I felt a similar thing. There was this guy who's off work right now, who I had school with, and he was like, hey, "Let's go get breakfast sometime." I'm like, yeah. And then we called him, like, "Hey, let's have breakfast today." He's like, "Oh, not today. Like, let's let's write a rain check for next week." I'm like, "Yeah." And then like, next week came, and mm -hmm. it was like, it was. It, I didn't even have to ask him. Like, are we still on? It was over. Like, it was completely over. Yeah. And such a short time, life changed. You know, you went from you went from feeling like uh like being fearful of this thing was a bit conspiracy kind of style mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. the people that were like oh you know make sure you get everything and you looked at them and you're like okay that's that personality type yeah right it went from that to like oh shoot like like you were being forced into line like with the the paranoid people because it's a reality yeah and so that that was it was wild. sad it was sad to see christians so uh putting down other Christians for closing the churches. That was sad to see. It was kind of sad to see because I, I, I could see the struggle in certain Christians of, uh, do I go to church? Mm -hmm. Do I close my church? Um, and then I could see, mm -hmm. I, I, at first, initially, I was more on the side of that. like, let's keep going, let's keep I going, like, that. let's do this, you know? Yep. And, oh, you know, you know wisdom. I do, I do want to talk a little bit about that because um, there, a conversation I had with my brother Johnny um, so one of my favorite teachers, shout out John Randall. Um, uh, he's just a really cool dude. And I, I met him years back. Um, and anyways, I, one of the first things I saw was him, um, announcing that he would be closing the doors. And I'd already heard like the white noise of like, you know, people that don't have faith, like are just going to be fearful. And mm -hmm. you know, now is the time you know, to show that we're not fearful or whatever. I, I heard that, which I understand, by the way, 100%. In fact, probably would have leaned more towards that perspective myself. But when I saw John um, announce that he was closing the doors, I knew that this isn't a man that's fearful. Like I knew, I knew in, because I know who he is, that he wouldn't make a decision. So mm -hmm. that made me analyze like why somebody would, would close the doors. And, uh, and I quickly, like almost instantly, as soon as that thought went into my mind, I realized the heart of a shepherd that mm. like, like you begin to care less about how you're going to appear and care more about your decision as an authority over people's lives and mm. how you're taking care of them. 
And I almost instinctively knew that he was taking care of people. Like, and that made me like refilter like the way I was seeing the scenario because there's a solid man making a decision, you know, and that's, that's life, right? Like if you, if you know somebody to be solid and they make a decision that's different than a majority of the people that you know, that are, are also solid. Um, if you see a fool make a decision that is in contrast to solid people, you go with the solid people, but mm -hmm. if you see a solid mind, um, and a, and a, uh, a well-rooted person make a decision that's contrast to a lot of people, you'll begin to analyze right, the situation right. differently. And so I did I, immediately dude. The, the, the very next day I, I was doing, I do a small Bible study with my dad um, because he can't get out of the house and go teach. I mean, go listen to teaching anymore. So I just go deliver it to him face to face. Um, and we prayed for the church that God, would prevent um division on mm. that topic it's like oh you guys are but but it was that was quickly stepped on because yeah. shortly after right. everybody everyone was got in, the in line boat. everyone was in the same <laughs> boat so so that that I, yeah. that was kind of an answer of prayer although yeah. i don't want to say that our prayer changed that mm -hmm. but but i was just like man cool we're all we're all on the same page on this yeah thing. so yeah yeah but it was sad to see it for a second there. right I did want to go back and like, like, be like, what's, what's up? You're closing your church now? <laughs> but that's always the flesh that I, I have to, do you ever just look at Facebook or, or Instagram? And you're just like, dude, you want to get in the comment section? Dude, I'll tell you that's a <laughs> you, trap, to, you have to pull yeah. back. But you know, every once in a while you'll see something. And if it's somebody, here's the odd part. If it's somebody you love enough, mm -hmm. for me, I feel stronger urge to say something mm -hmm. and the odd thing about that is when you're on the other side and you see somebody that you love and you feel like they're attacking you you're like man why would you come against me like you're my brother mm -hmm. you know you 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 when you're the one who feels like you're being attacked you feel like um this guy who's a friend of mine or loves me he, he I, I would assume that he would sooner muzzle himself with me because of our relationship and now he's coming at me. But when you really analyze the situation, like, like uh, you know, Paul, when he rebuked Peter, he rebuked him because he loved him, mm -hmm. right? And so sometimes, and I don't want to get on a tangent about a complete subject change with You're that, fine. but it's something that God really yeah. showed me recently is that, it, dude, if, I mean, I'm not saying I don't love people that I'm not commenting on, but when I really love somebody, even if I sleep, see them slightly heading down a road that could progress, not mm -hmm. just make a little mistake. Cause all of us make little mistakes and I don't expect to be called out on every little mistake I make. And I certainly don't want to be that guy's calling everybody out on every little mistake they make. But when I see a mistake that has progressive um, measures that follow it, the rate on which I, I care about that person determines more so that I'll, I'll, I'll comment or mm -hmm. call them on it. But on the, I mean, on the lighter side of that subject, I try to stay away from comments, dude. Yeah. Like I don't, I, I don't like debates online, dude. With like, mm -hmm. because here's the thing that's really dangerous about that is, you, you, you completely miss out on intent. That's what's so dangerous about gossip is like, mm -hmm. Sal could say, yeah, I don't really agree with that, and when I repeat what you said the person hearing me say it is not hearing your intent. Right. And they're not seeing your intent. Mm -hmm. That's also why it's good to say things face to face and not hearsay to people. But when you talk to somebody 
face to face, if they love you and you love them, they're, they're witnessing your intention behind what you're saying. As soon as you repeat what somebody else said, you remove that intention completely. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, you see this in, in text message life with people that you love. Feelings can get hurt more so through text message because people can't see the, your intention right. behind what you're saying. They're only reading what you're saying. And so that's a bigger reason even why I stay away from commenting online and stuff like that. Dude, it's like if I see somebody that I love say something wrong, I, I sooner want to go knock on their door and be like, hey, bro, let's yeah. get some coffee. And mm-hmm. I want to share with you something, you know, um, then going, dude. So if you're watching, dude, and you, you know, stay out of the comments, dude, as far as arguing with each other, it can be a big trap for yeah, it, Satan. I know. Uh, Subject mm-hmm. change. In the I know. Way. I'm sorry, dude. <laughs> Do you leave? No, fine. See, don't, caffeine, they, Sal was trying to talk me into um, having some more caffeine. And boy, I'll tell you, dude, conversation will get really rabbit trail-y <laughs> if you give me more caffeine. I think I'm done with that even right there. Yeah, that's good. Um, what do you think is going to be happening? Gosh, it, it really depends on how long this lasts. Because if this just ends quickly, like things are going to go back business as usual. I but, hope mm-hmm. that people don't ever go back business as usual. Because mm. now you just have... One, the pride that we beat this thing or something. Yep. Or see, I told you mm-hmm. God would get us through or whatever. And then then it was for nothing. Yeah. But if you if everybody allows themselves to position themselves before God in such a way that they say, Lord, what do you want to see different? I think that's the healthiest perspective that Christians can have at this time. Because I don't want to see it go back to business as usual. Right. I want whatever God can change in in the body of Christ through this to be lasting. Mm-hmm. And that's really why I accepted to do this today was because I want to see what I as a servant of God and a minister that God's called me to be. I want to see what I look like in this time, Hmm. surrendering to God. And I want to explore that, obviously, uh, under under full surrender, not just pridefully. But I want to explore that. And I want there to be lasting learning process through this. If today's, you know, conversation is boring and has to be edited down like to a half hour. I'm cool with that, but I want to learn from it. Yeah. And because I want to add this to, to minish to my ministry and whatever God's teaching me, you know, I, and I guess this is a way we could touch on something me and you have talked about before is how crippling does this feel to a lot of the body? And how, in what ways can God turn us into something different that we can bring with us once, you know, God willing, this, this thing goes away, that will bring with us some sort of personal connection that we were forced to learn in this time hmm. and make us better ministers. Um, I always had a conviction whenever I would teach a large number of people and I never taught huge, huge numbers, but you know, there were times where you know, there's a couple hundred people in front of me or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
and there was always this conviction that that that, that I would feel before that they were just turning into a thing rather than individuals. And, you know, there was a time when I mm. felt like I was losing the importance of the individual because you, you feel a little disappointed when there's only 20 people who show up versus when there was, you know, 50 or 100 people who showed up. And why? Why do we feel disappointed? Because yeah. the, the same thing should be happening in that the Spirit of God is filling me, working through me. And in our case where we teach the Bible through the text and that the listener that's in front of us is being affected by that. And so, you know, I say, Lord, purge out of us something that you didn't like in this time mm -hmm. and let it stay purged out, you know? And, and in times where, like in my case, I, I, I remember leaving when I stepped down out of Calvary Chapel, Hollywood, and I left there on as good a terms as possibly good. I love Pastor Greg and love Calvary Chapel Hollywood and the people there. I think about them often. Um, but in my mind, I was moving forward, like going to start a church or God was going to take me where, lead me where I'm going to go. And, and doors that seemed to be opening, offers that were placed in front of me, like, hey, like, you know, why don't you pray about taking this over or starting this? And and those doors seem to be opening in my mind. I'm like, I'm finally going to make it. And I think that was a mistake because I believe that a servant of God can only be one thing. And that is who God is turning him into by the power of the spirit. And if that is happening in your life, then that is the success of, of your surrender and his spirit filling you. Mm. And, and how then can you measure that on your location and how many people are there and that you finally are getting a building, you're finally... And God had to humble me, dude. I ate a big piece of humble pie and just all of a sudden woke up maybe, uh, um, maybe four months after I left and realized I was nobody. Hmm. Like I didn't... Nobody needed me. And... It was like almost heartbreaking, but then I started to go before God with this humble heart of just like, you know, Lord, like I'm still your man, dude. And I want you to keep molding me, you yeah. know, and, and, and so for me, I've had to eat this pie for two years now. And and I'm watching now, and I'm not trying to do it. I mean, there's people I look up to. There's people that have been doing ministry for a long time. I totally look up to them. I'm not like an authority on the subject by any means, but I can't help but to see that for a lot of people, there's a sense of lost feeling when you're used to, you're used to things being a certain way. Mm -hmm. And that was part of the evidence of success of, of what God's doing in your life. And then those things, when they disappear, it's kind of like, well, what am I? And I just want to encourage anybody out there, dude, like you are God's man, you know, or woman, like, and, and all that you ever were and all that you ever will be is a person that is more percentage surrendered and more percentage filled by him instead of vice versa, which would be right. more of you and less of him. And, and therefore, you, that's all you ever were, is a, a vessel that God's filled, and therefore you're, you're molded into whatever He wants you to be. And so I just want to encourage people to be that, 
Dude, you have no idea how much one person means to me. Mm. Like, and I don't mean that as a shepherd. I mean that as them being my shepherd, right? Like when I go talk to an old friend of mine who's been a pastor for years, he means a tremendous amount to me because of the wisdom he pours out of me. And so he is being used in a huge way, in a mighty huge way. But that's only one person that he's being used with. And yet they're, they're on the same token. Like there are or the other side of that coin. I should say there, there are people who had tremendous amounts in front of them. Um, but there are plenty of reasons why people are drawn to a location and not necessarily needing to be the spirit. And, um, and so I, I, I just think that it, this can be something that's healthy for the yeah, body is what but, I'm saying. And that, that's the important part you bring up is that when God places the call, the gift, it's not so much the, the outside tools that you're using that are mm. the ministry. Right. It's the Holy Spirit working in that person. Right. And right now, I think something I myself am experiencing right now is the people, the sheep being pulled away from me. Mm. And I, I see a, a lot of other people going to, a lot other churches, other pastors going to do the same thing right now where you, I cannot allow myself to think that those people, the sheep made were the Holy Spirit in me mm-hmm. or that gift, that calling. Right. Where sometimes I, I, I get it. If there's one person in front of me rather than 15 people. Right. I remember seeing, I remember seeing Ronda Rousey on uh, Ellen DeGeneres, um, the Ellen show. Shout out to Ellen show. Not kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm completely joking. Um, uh, not at all, dude. I, I, uh-huh. But but I remember seeing her on an interview, uh, seeing Ronda Rousey on an interview, and um, and she was talking about how once UFC was taken from her, she didn't know who she was. And I thought that's so sad mm. for a person to find their identity in something that can be taken from them. And the one thing that Christians have always preached is that. Your, you know, your identity in Christ can never be taken from you. And yet a lot of people right now are struggling with their identity being taken from them. Yeah. And so um, th- this is a time for Christians to find their effectiveness being rooted in God, mm. not rooted in their, in their, you know, whatever way they were considering themselves being affected. You get what I'm saying? Right, like, absolutely. Imagine there's all these people who start to put works a little more emphasis than the relationship. Mm-hmm. When we, I've been caught in the same thing where you start to think, okay, well, look at how much I'm doing right now. My relationship with the Lord is strong. Mm-hmm. And then when the works get taken away, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, like, do what? What am I doing with my time now? Yeah. What am I doing? Am I still? Am I still having that relationship with with the Lord? Right. And and then there's gonna be Christians who hear that and be like, okay, yeah. And so wait, all right, Lord. So I'm just your person. And then they're gonna stand in, a, in an empty room and be like, <laughs> yeah. Well, what do I do? Uh-huh. You know? And mm-hmm. and you know, I I have you ever sat with an old friend? I could speak like of my friend, uh, little Jesse. Like he lives in Texas now. And I went through so much hard things where he was there in my life, loss of my mom, a relationship that ended, like sicknessss in my dad's life, and joblessness, and I was in all those things at the same time and 
I remember going for a drive and he would sit shotgun and, uh, and he just meant so much to me, you know, his presence being there. And the, and the fact that I knew that his presence was there because of how much he had my back, like how mm. much he, he was, he was, he had my back. I don't have any other way to say it about him. Such a loyal, loyal person, like a gift almost, you know, and, um, and how much that meant to me. And then you, you imagine like the intimate relationship that God's made available for you and him. And just that if you could only really see it for what it is, you would give anything to sit in a completely pitch black room with him and say nothing like because of who he is and how much you mean to him. Mm. See, notice like in that scenario that I just told you about with my buddy Jesse, that the comfort that I was receiving from, from him is because I was aware of how much I meant to him and he was there with me. And so believe me, the Lord, you mean so much more to, to him and people and his servants mean so much to him. And so that's not, you're not just sitting there. What can I do? You're with the Lord. Like, and he, and through that process, he further molds us, like turning us into something that we weren't. Um, and, and that's what I think Christians need to seize this opportunity mm. Because I'll tell you what, dude, one of the biggest lies uh, for that Satan uses against us who are servants of God is the distractive um, supplemental fulfillment in function. Mm -hmm. And I want to clarify yeah. that, like, that, that you can go without spending time with the Lord and, and, and you should feel empty but you're not feeling empty because you have a false, reliable substance that's making you feel like it's all right because you just went and spoke to people and you saw tears falling and somebody said, thank you so much, God used you. And, and so now you've, you've created a supplement for your relationship with Jesus. And you know what? There, there, there's a possibility. I'm not claiming this by any means, but there's a possibility that the Lord saw enough of that. Yeah. And it's like, no, like, you will experience just me and you and, and maybe, maybe re-fall in love with that so that as the, this door reopens, you have people that just are in love with Jesus, in love with spending time with Jesus, and therefore they go out and they be whatever he wants them to be, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so that's what I think can come healthy from this. Yeah, I think in a Christian's life, when you start to justify yourself without God's grace, you start to misunderstand what the relationship with Christ is, you're going to fill it with more works. Mm. And then the, the danger is that you start to act like a Christian. You talk like a Christian and you're doing all these Christian things. But then as you, you allow sin to fester in your heart, you turn into like this mutant mm. where you have times of, okay, now it's time for, for spiritual Mm, now yeah. it's time for oh, yeah. I can put that aside and focus on on the world. Super right now. scary because now you've separated yourself and you're a double-minded man. Yeah, know? and that's the danger. So what I see right now is, which is really cool, is we're being reduced to just getting back to the simplicity right. of the word of prayer. I'm talking to guys right now um, who are calling me up and with trials, things mm -hmm. that are going on, and I, I'm finding myself my first thought is like, okay, prayer in the word. And then I start to try to think, well, you know, you could add 
this to your life and How you know can, yeah, restrictions right. and all these other things but then i when i get back to it i like i realized towards the end of my conversation i was like but you know what it's it's the simplicity of just getting back to the word and prayer mm-hmm. fellowship or which right now even fellowship is kind of like getting mm-hmm. strained that's why i'm super grateful yeah for this too, you know yeah, i know i'm so glad you came out yeah, uh yeah. what's it called uh because this was i wasn't sure if this was going to happen today right um but we're getting back to that. We're getting back to the simplicity of the word and prayer. Um, so that's kind of where we're at. But you've gone through some, and I think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of fear and a lot of doubt mm. out there. Um, and man, what I'm also seeing though, on on a good note, is I'm seeing believers who weren't so vocal. Mm or who were, were more timid now becoming a little more bold in their faith That's and not, not in the fake kind of way either, but mm. they're just, you know what, they're, they're just sharing the word. Right. Then, well, the playing field is really leveled mm-hmm. right now as yeah. far as like, there's no, there's no Christian celebrity really, because mm-hmm. we're all reduced to the same exact platform. Mm-hmm. Everybody, everybody's existing on YouTube and, and, uh, you know, Facebook and, yeah. And so, the, you know, and, and, and you're seeing like the biggest pastors in the world are, are a man in front of a screen, Yeah, <laughs> you know, and then like the, and then like the guy who was like, nobody came to his church ever. Right. He's just a guy in front uh-huh. of a screen. And so that's interesting. And I don't, I don't, I don't even want to imply what, what, why God is, has done that as mm-hmm. much as I'm just observing it as yeah. an observer and just right. like, wow, that's pretty interesting you know what i yeah. mean and i've been seeing the the memes where the pastor is doing the podcast in front of his face but he doesn't have pants on and nobody could see from home which that's is, funny which, dude yeah i wouldn't do that that i saw a post <laughs> that said something like uh uh lord lord please help our pastors not to let this sunday look like uh, an interrogation, like a Bin Laden, inter- you know, you know, like the screens yeah. are all like sideways yeah. and it's just like, who do you know? You know, I whatever. did, I did the, the, the Wednesday night study. I'm trying, still trying to figure lights out. So I was trying to get it so that we couldn't be like, you could still see me, but I didn't want there to be like really dark because for the camera quality, but it, it definitely looked like kind of scary. <laughs> and then my tone too, my tone yeah. for the study. Let's open the word of God. <laughs> my tone was very serious, which I think was necessary. Right, but then when right. I went back and kind of well, saw the video with my tone, I was like, that's kind of scary, dude. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's so hard to watch yourself or listen to yourself. I'm always like, uh-huh. do I really sound like I have a pill over my mouth like that? Like all the time, you know? And, um, but I try not to do that. L- listen to myself back. I have, but, but yeah. And lighting. And like you said, dude, and there's somebody out there who's mastered this mm-hmm. and their, their lighting's perfect. They have multiple camera angles, but in the end, there's still, forgive me for saying, but I find myself tempted to scroll, continue scrolling yeah. just as much on them mm-hmm. as I do anybody else. And, and that's a big part of this too, for me is like, um, I believe for me, I'm just going to speak for myself. Yeah. Like I'm definitely praying for God to show me what ministry looks like because it, it's got to be something more than just trying to supplement what it was through Facebook. Mm-hmm. Like, in other words, let's just try to keep this thing going and we'll do it online now. It's because it's not the same. It's not the same. Like, just like loved ones, you have a, a FaceTime chat with them. It's not the same as sitting in that room with mm-hmm. them. Um, and you can feel it, you know, and I know teachers are feeling it. I know they don't feel like themselves 
um, teaching to a camera. Yeah. Because you, you know this as a teacher. You draw from the 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 lives in the room yeah. like there's people in front of you and they're hurting or they're or you 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 know as a teacher you're you touch on a subject and you could see that it impacts an individual and and you might feel the necessity to elaborate on that because of that reason or you know and 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 so this is hurting a lot of pastors so what does it look like you know and 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 that's a good question i think you know what what does ministry look like in this chapter yeah you know, and I think it's important. I'd love to hear, I'd love to hear from other people, like what ministry mm -hmm. looks like in this chapter. I'm down to learn what somebody's figuring out. Mm -hmm. You know, I know for me, I've had all kinds of wild thoughts. You know, I've had thoughts of like, okay, my neighborhood, like, like, because I, I instinctively can tell that people will be more open to prayer. Yeah like strangers yep. even I do mm -hmm. conversations I've had in like coming and going. I dude, I've told every drive through I go through and I look at a person like, Hey, God bless you, man. And you know, take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. I, it's so much more received right now, dude. Like mm -hmm. I'm talking eye contact, fully open faces and hearts mm -hmm. from simple words. So I'm like, Lord, what does ministry possibly look like right now? And I've, one of the things I've been um, thinking about is, going around to my neighborhood where i'm a familiar face because people see you know if you live somewhere you see the same people driving by i i, I could tell you right now the the jeep and the you know the lower you know, wrx and mm -hmm. the kids that i always see their faces all the time and normally it's like what's up bro or whatever that's it so i'm a familiar face to them and i've you know toyed with the idea of, of because there is that disconnect on a screen and i know we all feel it mm -hmm. you know and I've toyed with the idea and prayed about it of like going, knocking on someone's door, taking four or five steps back away from their door. And when they open it, just asking them, hey, are you a believer? Straight like that. Do, yeah. you, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? You know, and, and, and because what, what am I afraid of at this time? Mm -hmm. And if that's something that is of God, if that's something that God's been putting in my heart, I'm going to do that. Yeah. But I also got a way out how people feel about contact with people. And that's why I told you, I thought about, you know, steps back and, and that sort of thing and making sure that I'm healthy in, in visiting people. And, and trust me, I could hear all the white noise, even in my right. head now about and, why you shouldn't do that or whatever. Yeah. But, but what I'm saying is are Christians asking themselves like, and I, and like I said earlier, I'm open to hearing people say what ministry can look like. And I'm talking beyond just trying to supplement what we were doing through a screen now. You know what I mean? I'm mm -hmm. not against that. I think pastors should continue to do their Sunday services online and stuff like that. But I know, again, instinctively that we're all feeling this like disconnect because of that screen. Right. And are we, is the answer, Lord, just praying this thing to end real quick so that we could get back to that? Or is the answer, Lord, mold us into adding to us because the bible says a wise man adds to his treasure mm -hmm. adding to us a, a skill and a, and acquiring something that makes us more effective when god lifts this off if god lifts this off this right. off right and so i think that's a healthy thing for christians to start praying about and looking forward to yeah because we we don't know this this could be a new life this could be a new where it just gets worse. And I don't want to go too far into hypothetical, but that's why you just kind of focus on what God's given you today. Mm -hmm. Focus on, okay, like you have opportunity, talent, gifts, mm -hmm. a, a voice, whatever that is. Bring yourself before the Lord 
have your relationship with him and then do what he's been gifting you and calling you and to do. Um, right now, I'm, I'm super excited just for personally what, what I'm seeing happen in, in the life of my family and other people who I'm coming in contact with just because I see, I see growth. And I see that we are getting back to, uh, back to the word, back on our knees. And there's a, lot, a mix with a lot of fear, but overwhelmingly, uh, I'm I'm praying and I'm having these conversations now with my family members where I'm, they are open and there there's a much more, like you said, a much more willingness to to talk about God right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited because. To me, this is the beginning of the birth pangs, or not even. It's started for it's coming, mm. and what, what I'm referring to is uh, Jesus said that before the Son of Man comes, it's going to be like a woman giving birth mm. with the contractions that would happen, and then they'd become more frequent and more violent and more violent. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars, and the end of all these things is mm. going to be coming. And so we've never seen anything like this. Mm. We've never seen this globe, global epidemic. And now for me personally, having even gone to the land of Israel and mm-hmm. seen the Muslims and the Jews just separated, mm-hmm. I'm just waiting for that person to kind of step in and to say, okay, you know what? We're going to bring in this peace treaty now. And then at the moment that happens, then it's like, we're gone. Like it, it's, it's game over at that point. So for me, the seriousness right now is, okay, time is running out. God, what do you want me to do? Mm-hmm. Um, and with that, though, there's a joy where some people, a lot of people are like, they're, they're consumed by fear and by, by being scared of what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. But for me, the, when, the, way, the way I see it is this is God reminding us, like, hey, like, I am coming, yeah. you know? So well, I'm getting excited. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I want to I wanna bring up on that, on that though, like, I want to also add a perspective mm-hmm. because anything, when it overgrows, can become dangerous, right? And so when you think of like a tree that's bearing fruit, if like all the fruit was being buried on one arm of the tree, that would be an unhealthy tree, mm. you know? And you see that certain trees that grow unhealthy and that... Uh, uh, you know, a person who prunes the trees would then have to come and, you know, they put the stick to hold it up and they, you know, and so a really healthy tree has got a strong root and a strong trunk and then its limbs are healthy and then they begin to bear fruit. And I, I'm 100% on board with the excitement of what God's going to do next. Mm Mm-hmm. But I also think that it can be dangerous to, to, for Christians to tell themselves, now's the time I need to figure out what to do Mm. big. Like, this is it. This is our time. Like, this is our, because I've over time have been humbled by God Mm. and I'm speaking for myself, right? Like where I've had to learn that work, the work of God is what God's doing through me, not what I'm doing for him. Yeah. And, um, I think that Christians need to continue to be Christians and, and being, if there's anything for you, for us to do more and, and make happen, it would be 
us allowing more of God to exist in us and less of ourselves because there, there will be an unhealthy amount of people at this time who are seeing it as an opportunity for them to seize this opportunity and do something that's going to work. Mm. And then what you end up with is just a man and his tactics. Mm. You know? And I want to encourage Christians to be just closer to Jesus and more knowledgeable of his word and, and less of themselves. Right. right? And now that being said, there's some person out there who's going to be like, all right, here's my time. The Lord's telling me to do this. And they're going to seemingly thrust out and God can honor and bless them for that. Like, right. And I don't want to be that conservative person who says that, you know, the boldness is not the way, right? Mm. Dude, if there's some young dude out there, old dude for that matter, anybody who's just their time and then God blesses them and speaks to them and they go out and do something crazy and huge and God uses it, cool, that's awesome, dude. I'm happy for that. But I think when it comes to myself, like, and what God's, how God's molded me and how he's changed me, because I was a person very zealous, dude, for what I believed God was going to do on a big scale. You know, I was recently talking to somebody about 2010, Mikey, you know, and the difference between me and him, you know, and um, there's moments where I feel embarrassed over who I was. I don't think about that that long because it's immaturity, but I feel embarrassed for who I was because of just my full on belief of the magnitude of what God was going to do through me. Mm. And right now I just, I feel like nobody but I don't feel like discouraged, like, like I'm nobody who cares. Not like Eeyore style, you know, Right. but, but like, I feel like, dude, like if God's going to do something, he's going to do it. And he certainly doesn't need all the tools of Mikey, dude. Like mm-hmm. all my music, my, like, you know, like my style, my, like all that stuff, dude, mm-hmm. I just, he's like, yeah. he's killed that stuff. I mean, to an extent, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love music. Mm-hmm. I make music still like style. I, I'm, I'm a person who looks at things and likes them for weird, particular reasons, yeah. you know, and, you know, but, and you know that that's, I'm so glad you say that just because that is something I constantly will find myself becoming anxious to be working constantly. Like when there's downtime, it's like, Oh, like I feel this need to immediately think, okay, there's things I need to be working on right now, which mm-hmm. I think there's a healthy point of that. Right. But where I think w- when you start to lose the peace, there's something wrong. So I have to constantly check myself of God. And, um, is this anxiety because I'm allowing my works to become the basis of my peace mm-hmm. or is it you? Mm-hmm. And and that is something I'm learning of, okay, what God then are you really calling me to do? And, and you said it perfectly is to, to have the relationship with him. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I, I guess, I guess now can be an okay time to, to, to rebring that up. That conversation I have with mm-hmm. somebody where like, I'll talk for a second about 2010 Mikey, like mm-hmm. this guy. Right. And there is these, like music, hip hop, making music, like connected with very large ministry with a lot of opportunities where I would guest speak for young adults ministry here and there, guest speak at, you know, high school ministry, be on school campuses, praying about writing a book with somebody there, 
uh, meeting with like the staff, like the, the highest leaders in that ministry, meeting with them Sunday mornings, prayer, like just really involved and a dynamic person, right? Like music wise and artistic and painting and, mm-hmm. and everything. Right. And I was young and single. So I was able to go anywhere I wanted to go and, and believed in the work that God was doing in me, believed in my calling, you know, and, and I can tell you, like looking at his life, it's not, I'm not my, my, my thing against him is not sin in his life or, you know, uh, pride or he's overzealous, like all those textbook things. I knew of those things mm-hmm. then all those check marks. Right. So what's wrong with him then? Like what's wrong with 2010 Mikey? Like if I sit down with him, cause all he wanted was to be rebuked in the right way. If he was wrong, mm-hmm. all he wanted was for somebody to go and say, Hey man, here, here's where you don't understand. Like what needs to change? I wanted, dude, I was so willing to be rebuked by a solid person, not by a hater, you know, mm-hmm. but by a solid person that could see something in me. And I felt like nobody was telling me. Mm-hmm. I felt like what? And here's the reason why, because there's nothing to tell him. The only thing that I could say now to that young guy is that the vessel's not prepared mm-hmm. for the calling that God has for you. You simply are not, he's just not done with you. For what he's going to create you to do. And I can't sit here and tell you that I'm done now. Mm. With every day that I'm called to teach. Like with every day that goes by that I don't assume the position of teaching. Because I think if you're called to teach, you just teach. Right? When you talk to people. Mm-hmm. But to every day that goes by that I don't assume that position. I have to now believe that the vessel is not prepared. It's not that God's looking at my heart and saying, oh, it's not solid. It's not that God's looking at me and saying, oh, I know about this, hidden that, or whatever. It's none of those things. It's that the vessel's not prepared for the calling that God has for me. Mm. And I don't want to get off of the spinning wheel. What is that thing called? Or they make the clay or whatever? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to get off Mm -hmm. of that. I don't want to get out of the pizza oven yet. I don't want to get, I don't want to force God, or you can't force God's hand, but you get what I'm saying. That's what, Mm -hmm. that's essentially what we're trying to do. We're trying to make ministry open for ourselves right is force the hand of god and say i am ready lord Mm -hmm. and 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 that guy that 2010 mikey like he's not doing something wrong it's just not his time dude Mm. and hindsight probably needed some humility probably some pride there but but like i said I, i checked every mark you know every check off on the list of what you should and shouldn't do at the mm-hmm. time right like i knew like not to like talk about how great i was or whatever like i knew enough then and there's a young guy right now who knows that knows he's he believes in himself he believes in his calling he believes in his voice and his ability and he he listens back dude that's solid that's a solid bible study that's a solid dude you know what i mean and and he's well-rounded and he's seeking advice to people over him and he has to be submitted to god to a degree to understand that if god doesn't open up a door in front of him it's not because he's doing something wrong mm. But because he belongs to God, and therefore it's God's work, and he reaches into his tool bag with the tool that he needs, which he makes that tool exactly what it's supposed to be for the job that he wants it to do. And you cannot get outside of that. And I would go as far as even to say that when you force that stuff to happen, you are outside of God's will. Yeah. You force yourself outside of God's will. You're like, I'm a screwdriver and this is my time, dude. Mm-hmm. And now you're trying to build a, you know, build a, a Tesla with a screwdriver. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, and it's just not, yeah, it's, 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 it's pride. And that's an interesting topic too, is the will of the Lord in your life. 
because I think for a lot of a lot of especially the young believers, even myself, just trying to figure that out, that's one of the questions is when do we draw the line between is it from me? Is it from God? Is it from both? And is it necessarily wrong when it's from you? And there's, for me personally, sometimes there's that internal struggle Mm -hmm. of, okay, Lord, uh, I see an open door. Uh, You're giving me, uh, this isn't sin. Uh, I I see how this can be something that's fruitful. And to me, I always just go back to the personal relationship and prayer. Right. But but I also it's something that I think to be talked about too because I think sometimes we have a a misunderstanding on what what it looks like when God says yes to something. Hmm. Well, there's a hundred things that I could tell you about what I think about that, and mm-hmm. I got a lot of them, dude. Mm-hmm. What I think about that, but I like to start by just telling you what I know. Yeah, right? and what I know is that it is important for every Christian to have that relationship with the Lord and cultivate that relationship with the Lord. But it, it also is important for Christians to understand that they have a calling. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a subject that can be easily ignored in healthy young Christians. I'm not saying a new believer, you don't just grab somebody who just got saved and like do find your calling. And then, yeah. you know, but, but he does have a calling even then. And, um, but for people, young people that, you know, they're mature enough to know that they want to be involved in ministry in some way or they're they're looking for it. And that's to, to find what God made you to do first. See, because the Bible teaches us that every person has gifts and then God gave them a gift. And so it's important for you to find out what your calling is, mm-hmm. what your gift is from the Holy Spirit, not your natural gift, right? And I think a lot of, well, maybe some people that are listening don't don't have this solid truth, but the, the difference between a talent and a gift, like they're talented people. God gave you that. That's also of God. It's from God. Mm-hmm. But he gave you that, put it in you, even if you were going to be godless your whole life. So that's half mm-hmm. of the pie, right? He gives you up front as uh, your birth and you, you're growing up. And as a toddler, you got rhythm or you got whatever, mm-hmm. you know? And so you get the 50% as a gift from God as free, absolutely, even if you never followed him, you have that, your talent, mm-hmm. and that's your talent. And then when you get saved and, and the Holy Spirit comes in your life, then you have a gift of the Holy Spirit that God had in mind before you were born, knew that this was in store for you, knew that this is what he held with your name on it, and, and that when you became born again, this is what he was going to give you. And he also made it in such a way that it would perfectly fit together with the other things that he gave you mm-hmm. and that they would work har- harmoniously. Now, when you're living your life without Jesus in it, you have the talent and you don't have the application of where it belongs. Mm. And in my case, I would have spent that to try to be an actor or a musician and, and seek after how I can make a living and money off of my talent and how I can become attractive to the opposite sex using that talent mm. or whatever. And then becoming saved, then you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and it works harmoniously together with the talent that he gave you. But, but you also have a calling in your life which then cuts away at all of the options on the salad bar. Mm-hmm. And it makes it clear that you this is one thing that you for sure need to do. Mm-hmm. And I think it's more important for Christians to understand that and then cultivate that and then sharpen that calling and that tool. And so back to your question, this wrestle, this internal struggle as to what I do or what I don't do, open doors. What, the answer is that you always sharpen your gift 
And you always utilize it at opportunities that are presented to you, that God has placed before you. <laughs> but what you don't need to do is make some, uh, create some platform with your own hands that then allows you to do a lot of it. You, yeah. to, you ask God to build that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with a person pushing on a thousand doors, you know? And, but I think that the, what I'm speaking to is that you don't become discouraged at those doors that are being closed. Right. Like understanding that th it doesn't work all the time. Mm -hmm. Now, I think there is some sort of maturity in a person who hasn't stood on 50 stages that didn't work. He simply sat in the pocket and, 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 and relied on the Lord. And then he stands on one stage and that takes off. I, oh, how, oh, how I envy mm -hmm. that mature young Christian, right? Because Mikey was freaking, oh, let me jump on this stage. Mm -hmm. But, but the, the sovereignty and the, the, the grace that I've learned about over these years and, and, and watching doors close and the lights being turned off on a stage that I'm standing on is one of respect for people that have that um that patience and they wait on the voice of god but it also has given me a, a, a an ability to instruct uh, and and encourage a young man who 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 puts on too many hats yeah you know and and tries to make things happen and i think that uh, uh if i would give advice to that subject what i would say is um you don't need to make it happen but you do need to be hmm. who god wants you to be and when you're being who god wants you to be he places you where you're needed yeah and so it never the advice never becomes a token of do this and it'll work out. Mm -hmm. It always just leaves you to this place where you need to continue to cultivate your relationship and your calling. And like I said earlier, you end up relying on the, on the vessel not, not being done yet. And therefore God's not going to place you where you don't belong. And yeah. so, and so you wait on him finish cooking you or molding you for lack of better words. And, and I hope that that's, I hope that this reaches the ears of some anointed person that has been waiting on God for a long time, you know, yeah. like, and you know, that's what I, when I think about Mikey 2010, it was a year later that I had met you actually, actually it was around that time, 2010, 2009 that I first met you and gosh, uh, you, I think you got to see the bad Sal before mm. he became a Christian. Um, I remember it clearly. <laughs> you, you little wolf. Yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. And gosh, but when I look back and, and have seen, so a lot of people who are listening, they don't know. Um, me and Mike, we, we became friends um, after I got saved. I joined uh, the high school ministry at Calvary Chapel, Golden Springs. And Mike, you poured in a lot to me when I was there. But when I look back and, and see, gosh, man, um, sometimes you look at, at guys as just giants of like these pillars of, of faith and you don't know that God had done already a work process mm -hmm. in them for all these years past. 
And then so to hear you talk about 2010, Mike, it's, it's kind of like, wow, like I had no idea what God was doing in your life at that time. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I do remember those, those years of, gosh. And then the, the cool thing was once we started doing ministry together, um, what God did with relationship, where discipleship wasn't just, we're going to meet uh, on Wednesdays and Sundays, and then we're going, yeah, I'm going to teach you that. Right. It was friendship. Mm. And friendship turned into this openness for me to be able to talk to you, and then you'd be able to pour into me. Was some of our friends. Based. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's so fruitful. Mm-hmm. It's so fruitful to see that. And I, I want to make something clear too, because like in the talking about 2010, like me, you know, like, um, it's like in a weird way, Christians do this often too. They like want to belittle their former self as if like, now this is, you know, I was nothing then like this. Mm -hmm. And and I don't mean to do that by any means, because here's the reason why, because there were works that God was doing through me and, and in my life then that I thankful every day for like, and it was awesome, dude, like serving the Lord, being traveling, being in Africa, Colombia and, doing the things that God was doing through my life and the relationships, people that I met young, young guys and to watch them bloom. I don't, I don't, I don't have any intention of belittling the former version of myself as if he wasn't in the hand of God and God working. It was just the only crippling thing that existed in that young man's life was that he felt like he wasn't doing something unless God was going to open a door for him to start a church and be a senior pastor. Mm. That's, that's the only really rebuke against him is that, is that it was like in that time that I was pouring into you and, and Nick and, and helping out in, in those places is that I felt like I, there was something for me to do that I needed to do. Like, Oh, I, I, I just can't wait. And, and you may experience stuff like that in your own life. Like it's like, you see like 10 people in the living room and you're just like, man, it's gonna happen. No, it's happening. Mm. It's not gonna happen. It's happening. Like God's working in your life because you love him. And because and, and, and the goals that you feel that God has placed in your heart for where you're going, like you have a vision of what it's going to be. I'm not saying that that's wrong either. But see, this idea that you can figure out a way to make that happen, it's, not, it's just not true. Like, it, well, it's, it is, it can, you can, but you don't want it to be that way. Yeah. You want to, because you're not promised tomorrow, right? You, the, it's weird the way the Bible instructs us to, to, to live right? As if this is the only day we have. But then it also tells us to live as if we're going to have like many days ahead Mm -hmm. of us. So how do we do that? I think it's by 100% seizing the opportunity that's placed in front of you and being thankful for what it is that God's allowed you to do at this time in your life and to humbly and not boastfully and not thinking highly of yourself, begin to prepare with no limitation as to what God can do through your Mm. life. That if you, you could become the the have the, the the largest ministry in the world there's no limit to what god can do through a man who's fully who's fully surrendered to him it's not like oh no the most effective ministry only has 10 people in front of yeah. him you know and we do that sometimes jesus mm-hmm. only had 12 right that's the ideal minister and the, the answer is no you you have no idea what god can do through your life fully surrendered but and you may orchestrate and prepare yourself for that opportunity if god places that in front of you but that's the very thing if god places Mm -hmm. you in those shoes like you you, all you are is a tool in the in the master's tool bag 
the the topic of the coronavirus right now and pastors being separated from their sheep and and every pastor knows this i'm not saying something new but that's those are god's sheep Mm -hmm. and god's not separated from them and and they they know this like they're solid christian pastors that are that, that are that are being wounded right now by this situation knows that that i'm what i'm saying but but i think there's just that reminder that these were God's people. He's going to provide for them. And I want to be changed in whatever way God wants to change me mm. through this time and become further molded, further cooked, further, yeah. you know. Right before this, you were going through some craziness that you just dropped on me uh, over a phone call. Yeah, um, like a 10 second yeah, phone call. Yeah, 10 second phone call. Uh, you you want to talk about that? Yeah. Um, so I had like a, a surgery to remove uh they called it a mass but that sounds scary because you know you hear that you hear cancer right mm-hmm. away like a mass you know but what it was is it was an infection it was infected uh tissue and it was at the base of my skull like where your skull meets your uh, your spine mm-hmm. and what had happened was is i had like uh uh god what was it called not a tumor a mass no it, no it was like uh it was uh a cyst cyst okay i had a cyst that had bursted and i was not taking care of it so what i was doing is you know i have this self-conscious thing because i've always been a communicator and i was raised by like a vietnam veteran and like my brothers are kind of tough guys and I'm the youngest of four brothers, so there's always this like self-consciousness that I need to really be the, a man. Like I'm not gonna just be like, um, like oh, like a person who can't work hard mm-hmm. with his hands because I'm a talker or whatever. I'm like, dude, if I'm if God has me in the field right now, I'm a construction worker. I'm gonna work, dude. I'm gonna work like construction workers work. That's where mm-hmm. He has me. And so you know, there might be a form of blindness that can creep up on you in that mentality. And I was just like, you know, Lord, you have me here. So you know, and I have my own internal struggles with that like i'm just on you know on the field with like physical people that are very strong and mm-hmm. and so i just try to buckle down bite down and do it so i was i just completely was just ignoring this thing like i had like this pain in my neck and it started swelling and then it got even bigger and it got to the point where it was noticeable like if you saw me like in a t-shirt you just see this mass on the back of my neck mm-hmm. And uh, what had happened that I wasn't aware of is that it had bursted and it was infected and then it started spreading infection to the surrounding tissue and it got extremely painful. And, and at one point it even started to, I even started to lose, lose movement. Like, so I couldn't easily turn my head and, and, and I just kept working and working. And at some point it was like, my boss found out, saw, and he was like, what's what's going on, dude? What do you got here? Like, Mm -hmm. And then that was me. That was the end of the road of me ignoring it. It was like my boss was like, they literally stopped me at work and were like, you're going to go to the emergency and you're going to find out what this is. And I get there. And their question to me was, why did you ignore this so long? And so they, you know, they give me antibiotics for the infection. um, And then they, you know, I schedule an appointment with the doctors. And my job was like, you can't come back until you get this dealt with. And then I go and then, they have to do like a surgery on me to remove and because of where it's at it it started to become very scary at that moment 
and all I know about it at the time, now I'm telling you now that they found out what it was, the cyst that bursted. I didn't know anything. All I know is I got this mass that's just growing and this lump that's just growing and it starts to become very painful and the whole back of my neck started getting super red and I'm literally just functioning as if this thing's not existing yeah. um, outwardly, right? Yeah. But in my own personal life, there, I was freaking out and my wife was freaking out. And so then when I went to have the surgery... And they had to do the whole, you know, they put the thing that holds like the flesh open, you know, oh, and yeah. yeah, and they're like carving away in the back of my neck, dude, and pulling out You're this awake. infected, awake, dude, Oof. and pulling out this infected tissue. And I remember, and it was scary because, um, you know, they shot me up with something to make it numb. So I'm not feeling any pain, but I'm laying face down on the table awake and there's like, this nurse and I just feel like fluid continuously running down my neck and she's wiping it and wiping it and mm -hmm. wiping my neck constantly and and as i'm watching the tissue you know the the gauze or whatever that she's wiping they're throwing it in, in the little trash or whatever their container with and it's just full of blood it's just wiping blood like yeah. while i'm awake and I, I could tell i'm losing a lot of fluid and i could hear them grinding against something back there and scraping and 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 in that moment i remember because of you know they make you sign all the paperwork because of where the location is at and you know, anywhere near your spine or the back of your neck or the down the center of your, you know, that's dangerous area. Mm -hmm. And so I was scared, dude. Like, and in that moment, I remember just closing my eyes, dude, and just telling God, like, I'm, I'm still just your man, dude. Like, and again, I, I had been reduced to a place in this chapter of my life where I don't feel like the world needs me. Like, there's a congregation of people who need me. I mean, I get that feeling with my wife and my daughter, but ministry-wise not so much and uh but i just told the lord you know i'm just laying on the table like you know I'm, I'm still your man dude you know yeah. and uh and it was scary and they stitched me up and to <laughs> to further the strangeness of the situation um i got stitches in my neck right now on the back of my neck mm -hmm. and it's crazy because they should have been taken out by now but the doctor the 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 place where I had the surgery, that place is closed because they don't treat yeah. like the virus or none of that stuff. So that place is closed down. And so I would have them removed by now. And I called and they have a person you can call. And they're like, we're closed down. I can schedule you for two weeks out to have them removed. And I'm like, well, this is, I'm just going to live with stitches in my neck. And they're like, well, if you really need them taken out, then you can go to the hospital. And then I'm right there weighing it out. Like, do I want to go to a hospital at this time when there's so many people yeah. that are sick over there to get stitches pulled out? And I've had a little experience with stitches and watched them take them out of other areas of my body. So I'm like, I might just have to go and instruct a close friend of mine on how to take them out and just have a, just have a <laughs> buddy do, dude. Just do say, yeah, we'll podcast? do it live on a broadcast. <laughs> and uh, uh, and uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to end up having gosh. them pulled out by somebody, like a friend probably, Jeez. to be honest with you. And I'm working right now. Finish your job. Yeah, construction, <laughs> working right now with, with these in the back of my Man. neck. It's pretty wild, dude. Yeah. But were you, were you scared? Uh, so the thought of cancer never came up to you or did it? Did, it, it did. It, it, okay. did. it, it was something we prayed about, me and my wife. And you run the whole scenario through. I lost my mom to cancer. I know the, the, I know the, the fear of that scenario. And you know, I, I accept whatever way the Lord chooses to take me. Yeah. I think the heartbreak, not even necessarily fear, I think the heartbreak for me is I think of my daughter and she just turned one, my wife. I think of 
I think of the frailties of my wife. You know, when we got married, her vows to me, we didn't write vows. We just spoke from our hearts when we got married. And, but there wasn't vows that were given to us mm -hmm. either. And I'll never forget. It, it, it ministers to me still is her expressing how much she feels like she needs me. And I know, trust me, I, I know like she needs the Lord. Like we, we talk about that all the time, but that's the heartbreak in the scenario when I think about something happening to me. And there are plenty of health issues that I deal with and have dealt with. That's not, the odd thing is that that happening to me is not like the only time in my life that I went through something gnarly. I've had crazy things happen to me, accidents, mm -hmm. starting from when I was a baby, like a seizure that my, you know, that I went unconscious. I, I had a seizure and I had a fever of 108 when I was an infant and I went unconscious for uh more than 10 minutes and they said that there was brain damage and all that stuff so for those of you who know me that's what's wrong with me <laughs> uh um but you know and then there's the huge car accident i was in years later i was in a, i was in a bad sledding accident where i had to be taken away in emergency i've had a lot of crazy close calls where i thought my life was going to be taken from me but I was in Colombia where they pulled our car over and, and it, because the drug cartel thought that we were transferring drugs and mm -hmm. I was pulled out of a van and they had AK-47s. And there's moments in my life where I just thought, dude, this is possibly the end of my life. But I, I will say this as a Christian, I never have really experienced fear to the degree like, like, oh no, like this can't happen. But for the first time after being married and having a little girl, I felt like a sadness in my heart at the thought of dying mm. and i know that the lord will take care of my wife and my daughter and i know that if something were to happen to me that that's god's will but um yeah there was like a sadness that came and i spent time with the lord on that sadness like the thought of like my my little girl being raised by maybe like my in-laws or just without me my influences that i want her to have mm -hmm. when it comes to who she's going to grow up and hopefully you know, her perspective on dating. Cause I'm not one of those dads that's like, no, you're never going to date or, you know, I want her to wear sweatpants for the rest mm -hmm. of her life. Like I hope she becomes a beautiful, she is beautiful and she's going to be beautiful no matter what she looks like. But if she becomes somebody that's super attractive to the rest of the world and boys like her, then you know what? God made her dude. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, I hope that I build that relationship with her one day where, you know, if I see that she likes the way a, a young man looks or something like that, that I, I would understand that instead of being like that ultra jealous dad. And I know there's a lot of dads are like, yeah, wait till you're there. But that's what I'm praying for. I'm praying yeah. for that perspective. And then the thought of cancer, um, there's a fear of like, not fear, there's a sadness of like losing that. Mm -hmm. Because that's the thing that I faced about the loss with cancer and death. I haven't experienced tremendous fear. I watched my mom die, breathe her last breath. I, my dad was diagnosed with cancer before her, and and I've seen I've lost a lot of family members, and I don't really live with like the fear of it, but there was a lot of sadness that was yeah. attached to those things that happened. And you know, when my daughter was born, there was a sadness there. I thought about my mom when I got married. There was a sadness there because you know the mother son dance. Like every time I go to a wedding, every time I go to a wedding and see that. There's like this undertone sadness and, you know, depression is like a, a, a thorn that I carry. Mm -hmm. No matter how much I grow in my knowledge of the truth of God and no matter how much I, I draw near to him, because it's not something like a sin thing, like I'm just afraid or I'm fearful, but that's my thorn, dude. 
and it it's like a little cloud that just is always there and there's all and I, I'm aware also that sadness can be addicting that people could feed it and they they go there all the time and so I've learned to try to be healthy with it and not think about the things that depress me and not just purposely listen to sad music that makes right. you know I don't go there I don't do that I don't overly talk about it I, there were times in my life that I did and I realized I was feeding it but I've chosen to seek the advice of solid sound mind people and spiritual people and to take their instruction and perspective and to obviously biblical perspective on things and eternal perspective helps if anybody out there struggling with depression, you know, to have an eternal perspective is really healthy because you're, you're less bummed out about what's going on in your life or how you feel and you think about where you're going. Um, but, and that's a whole conversation, Yeah. Uh, but your dad does he uh does he still have like growth dude my dad was given 6 months to live 15 years ago mm-hmm. and i 100% do not want to give advice right. for people to be like my dad like right. i'm not like dude just faith bro like be like my dad mm-hmm. you know my dad's just He's a Vietnam veteran. He's a very old school guy. He certainly is not afraid to die. And how, how long ago was it since your mother? My mom died 11 years ago. She died um, in at the first five minutes of 2009. My mom died on, on New Year's. And the countdown led literally to her last breath. And then her heart stopped. They, they um, told us like five minutes after the countdown Mm -hmm. so i literally that that was another thing about anxiety for years in my life was like new year's i remember having like a panic attack like for the first three years uh, on new year's hearing that countdown because it just felt like reliving and it literally felt like a countdown like Mm -hmm. to her life like it was wild and new year's was one of my favorite holidays because i was always excited about you know, family, everybody hugging on counting down together. And we would go outside every year and yell, happy new year, you know, yeah. and, and that stuff. But, um, so then all of a sudden th- my mom died on new year's. And so that was devastating and super scary. And then my dad, he was, he had already been diagnosed. They were, he was diagnosed. So my mom got cancer when I was a kid and then it went into remission and came back and then it went into remission and bef- and then it came back and then killed her and before it came back my dad also was diagnosed with cancer so they kind of had this like holding each other hand each other's hand kind of mentality like mm-hmm. we'll, we'll do this together you know and my dad chose not to do chemotherapy i think he was willing i think he wanted to go with my mom to tell you the truth i don't, I don't think he wanted to continue on and right. so he definitely was like well my i'm done like he's willing to be done and um but he's (laughs) but the lord dude again back with the timing of of god my dad has not lived healthy life by any means Mm -hmm. like to this day like you're talking pie and bacon sandwiches and Mm -hmm. he's 77 years old dude my dad smoked for the first half of his life he literally rode a motorcycle until his left hand was incapable of squeezing the clutch Mm -hmm. which is where he's at right now um and he would be on a motorcycle still if he could um and he just stopped going to the doctors i do not recommend that mm-hmm. i'm just telling you what he did right and uh he doesn't go to the doctors at all every time i try to encourage him to be healthy he's like he jokes about 
like delaying his reunion with my mom, you know, and, uh, but I, I know that the Lord's not done molding him. Mm. The stubbornness and pride that can come into a person's life with being just like the man. Cause my dad was a very violent man too. And he was a tough guy. And you know, that's part of some of the struggles I had growing up, just idolizing this guy, you know, who's just a Vietnam veteran disassembling a gun, you know, in the living room and, and just my dad, even after he became a believer, he drank like, and there was like a pride involved in that. Mm-hmm. Like you drink a lot. And I grew up just watching him and thinking, this guy's the man. That's what a man is. dude. Yeah. My mom never disrespected my dad. My dad never slept on the couch. And I, and I don't want to even go on about like pumping up that either, but he, he just hasn't gone to the doctors and God still has him here. But I'll tell you what, dude, like he's, lost and losing a lot Mm. and i'll i'll say there's one thing that i'm learning from the lesson of his life is that the more you gain on this side of eternity that is that is uh boast worthy from man from the human perspective the more you obtain on this side even as a christian the more you're going to end up just being stripped before you get there like you were just going to say goodbye to all of those things all that pride and all that you know self-reliance and all that confidence you will just literally lose it and lose it and lose it and lose it being prepared for the humble perspective that you're supposed to have when standing in awe of the presence of the living god like because you will be humble you will be on your face before the lord when you see the magnitude of how great he is yeah and whatever you thought you were awesome is gonna be you know Mm. pale in comparison and so i watched god prepare my dad for eternity through that my mom she was always a humble woman Mm -hmm. there was less of god needing to strip those things away my mom was a very humble woman a very uh, loving woman very kind woman a very soft-spoken woman a very uh she never chased the limelight. There was one thing that she struggled with tremendously, and that was she could hold a grudge. Yeah. Like she could, somebody could wound her. And even if she never told them about it, she would, in her heart, that would wound, she would carry that wound forever. And that's something she told my brother Johnny to let go of because, you know, and, and jealousy and those things too. I remember the Lord took those things from her before she died hmm. and so that was something we had to learn was she the one who was kind of bringing you to the lord as growing so, up no so well so my mom has always had a simple faith one that i admire and and i'm constantly reminded to reassess my view on mm-hmm. on, on who i am before the lord and all that because her faith was not based in like an obtained amount of wisdom like it wasn't like she read a bunch of books and so she knew like my mom was very but it was relationship based it wasn't it wasn't just like religiously she Mm -hmm. woke up and said her prayer or whatever my mom was a christian a woman we were all raised catholic she was raised catholic and then she came to the to the lord sort of mid late life to relationship with jesus christ and ever since then that's all that she did basically was cultivate her relationship with mm-hmm. him. And so my mom was the one that you would find every morning reading her Bible, but she never preached at us. Like mm-hmm. we, I never grew up in an environment 
where it was like, you shouldn't watch this. You shouldn't do that. Obviously my dad ran the household. Like mm. he, the temperature in our home was set by my dad. 100%. My mom always just humbly served my dad mm -hmm. really. And so, but her Christianity existed, you know, and she read and I, and those things affected me. And in the time of my rebellion and my living in sin and all this stuff, the, the impact of my mom was not based on, on, um, her telling me scriptures and mm -hmm. saying, you know, you need to do this. It was never that it, it, it literally one time I remember sneaking, if I may, yeah, yeah. I remember sneaking out of, of the house and, and I was you know, silently working my way up the hallway to the living room and, you know, turn the knob super slow, you know, and then, you know, I had all these ways to make sure you remove the yep. squeak and all that <laughs> stuff, right? Which you probably WD forty, yeah, everything, everything <laughs> on the door, everything, yes. Uh -huh. And and as I open the door silently, perfectly, and and I'm exiting, I hear her voice. And what had happened was she was sitting in the living room mm. while I was doing all that. Yeah, she had gotten up, um, and she was talking to the Lord in the dark in the living room, and I didn't see her when I walked by, mm. and um, so. I'll never forget. She just, she said, I heard my name and I was like, Oh, I got caught, you know? And, and I'm there. And then she just stood up and she goes up. She had already had cancer had returned the third time. Mm. And she said to me, I'm not going to be here to stop you. And if I can't stop you, then I have no interest in trying to stop you now. And I remember it just that it struck me like something odd. And she's like, you know, but I will ask you one thing, like, would it would you let me pray for you right now? And I just I, to this day I see that as such an odd choice for a person. Mm. And my mom, it wasn't like somebody told her this is what you should do, you know, like and I'm not telling people that they should do this, like I'm just simply saying this is a simple woman who had a relationship with God and loved the Lord with all her heart and didn't know what to do. Like knew that she was losing strength and just controlling me. And I was a rebellious young man. And she asked me if I could, she asked me if I could, if she could pray for me. And I was just like, we would do whatever you want to do. I don't like, I was, I was in sin. I was like lost. And, uh, and I'll never forget, dude, she prayed for me that the Lord would protect me and that the Lord would be merciful on on me. And you know what she did is that in that moment, she ruined the joy of whatever I was going to go and do. Yeah. And she didn't do that on purpose. It wasn't like a mom was calculating how to... Dude, I'm telling you, simple woman, dude, like just, just before God. And... um and she just told me she loved me, dude, and let me go. Like, I walked out that living room. And don't get me wrong. I wasn't raised in a home where the kids can do whatever they want to do. But she, the scenario was that cancer had returned, and she, was, she knew that she was losing this, this control over her family and scenario. And, and so she just wasn't fighting that. But, she, or that, but I'll tell you what, dude, that, that impacted me deeper than all the times that I was barricaded in my house or disciplined. And I'm not against discipline. I'm all about it, bro. But, um, this, this God worked through her like in that mm -hmm. moment. And it, I was ruined, dude. Like I went, you know, went out to have fun and 
my I did not have fun like that night. I left. You can imagine the boldness of some kid. Like just mm-hmm. I just still left. I just walked out that door and freaking went and got in my car and drove off. And but I didn't I did not give in. I did not fall into temptation that night. I was willing to. I'm not saying yeah. I was saved by any means by that, but the impact of her and that relationship with God. And so my mom's faith was very simple. And not long after that, what had happened was my taste for sin was ruined by right. my mom. Right. And and her love for me had ruined it. And and so I started to then deal with a lot of depression. Because now it's like, you know, when you're living in sin, it's like if you're not happy doing that, then you really have nothing. If you're not walking with the Lord and you're aware of the Lord mm. and you're living in sin and now you're not even having fun doing that, depression will definitely creep up because you just like you got nothing that to live for that you like you know yeah and that's what changed me like i started the dialogue with god and just be like i hate my life like and that started my relationship so yeah to answer your question in a super long way there's there's something about a a praying mom for sure i I remember in particular when i was um rebellious i had i left my home for a bit i remember one night in particular my mom's just memory and just her thoughts kind of overwhelmed me in the midst of, of the sin that I was in. And I could feel like this sense of like a broken heart almost from her. Mm. And it kind of just overwhelmed me to the point where I was, I remember, um, had to get away from everyone and everything for a bit and then just kind of just sit there and just really, kind of mourn myself, mm. mourn my, my own, like, it was almost as if I was mourning. She was like, I think this is, and I have no evidence to back this up, but I feel like she was praying for me at that moment. Mm. I feel like she was praying for me and that she was praying from a broken heart. And I felt like the spirit was allowing me to just kind of get a little taste of it. And I don't have any evidence to back that up, but I know that she prayed for me, gosh, so much that she's the, God used her, to allow the Holy Spirit to direct things in my life that were going to bring me back to him. And she's one of the main reasons that she would just love on me. And she was super strict. She was like the CIA (laughs) when it came to finding out what I was doing. Um, But I think that the the relationship that you're referring to, um, I had to, once I became a Christian, realize that it was the love that was going to win people over rather than um, my wit or, or the law or mm-hmm. throwing the Bible at their face. Um, and one of the things I'm still learning too is I don't always have to speak up to people to let them know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for them. I don't always have to use my voice, always. Mm. Sometimes it's it's literally just my life and my character loving on them, and they start to ask me questions. Mm. And then from there, then I'm like, that gives me the door to open up, to start to share with them. I think a, a big door that opens up a person's heart or a big thing that opens up the door of a person's heart, I should say, is the sense that you're actually listening to them. Mm. Um, I That's one thing God's taught me, like, guys at work or whatever they start talking yeah you know like yeah i gotta get home to the wife you know how it is and then they look at your reaction and they realize that you're a person who 
is seeing what that means. Like, and it's almost like a reality check for themselves because they're just used to saying, I know, yep, and they don't really think about what mm-hmm. what they're actually saying, what's going on, and, and just being a Christian, being a person who genuinely loves people and concerned with them and are listening to them, they, 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 they come across something that they're not familiar with in you. Mm-hmm. And that opens their hearts, I think. And I have experienced, and I don't, I'm not too big on experience, but... I have experienced that um, the impact of of a person that feels like you can hear them and then your words, it takes like way less words to accomplish a big thing. Mm-hmm. When you're always talking and you're not listening, it takes a lot of words to accomplish something you're like explaining to a person or you know i i dude i've spent a lot of time learning about this the scientific evidence of christianity and god and are learning you know mm-hmm. different tactics mm-hmm. that you can prove to people things and and i find that you can win a lot of debates and have lost souls mm-hmm. and then there's other situations that you not winning any debates but yeah you're winning souls yeah and you're just, people are being won over by the love of Christ in your life. And they're just drawn to it. This kid that just recently uh, got to lead him to the Lord. And his he's a brainiac. So that was his struggle. Right? Just simple, like, simple, like, things that are, that are ridiculous. Like, Jesus walked on water. Like, that's just, that's just a ridiculous idea that mm-hmm. a person could walk on water. Like, a Peter walked on water with Jesus. Like... To him, that's just so, to a thinking brainiac, that's just so ridiculous, like people with their faith and they're just like all this, like, oh no, God knows. And so that was a struggle. But here simultaneously you had this young man who had this brain and this mind, but he's still hurting like everybody else in the person of who he is. And I didn't intentionally do it, but just that's what the Lord addressed. Like, you know, you with all your answers, like, mm. and look, look at your life, like your empty life, your empty, sad life. And, and he just did that kid was just crying, like just realizing it, just the truth. And then, and then, you know, then there was room for some evidence stuff, right? It was just like, like who gave the authority to the people who are telling you all these things, who gave them that authority? Mm-hmm. And the answer is other men gave them that authority. Like your colleges and your, like your, you know, the every every person that speaks in the, in, in in the perspective of authority. Who gave them that authority? And and without Christ, it's just it's just men. Like you either gave it to yourself or somebody else told you. You are now an expert on this opinion. Yeah. Another man. So when you remove when you boil it all down to realize that you a person their whole life has been following the the advice of people who are self deemed authorities on the subject and that the thing that makes a christian difference is that they're god deemed Mm. like god has given me the authority to 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 speak his truth a higher power and in another case in every other case there's no there's no authority giving you this you're nobody you're you're this another little little like when you put it on scale you know where you have a room full of little kids and they're their own authority and then an adult walks in the room and they're all in a debate of whether or not, 
you know, Tootsie Rolls are going to be a better dinner than cake mm-hmm. or whatever. And they've come to the conclusion that cake is the better choice because it has scientifically because it has, you know, <laughs> eggs in it or something yeah. like that. And an adult just says, no, you're going to eat this broccoli and this chicken instead that the adult is the authority in the scenario because the adult knows way more than all those kids. Even mm-hmm. if one of them's a brainiac and knows that, that eggs are in cake. Right. And so I painted them, him, this kid that I, that I shared with, I painted him this uh, illustration of all of these people being like little kids compared to God who knows more than anybody. And, and all these little kids have now deemed and heralded their, their geniuses. Like this is our, smart guy mm-hmm. you know he mm-hmm. he's the one who knows the best and 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 all of his views on evolution and all that stuff they're just other children telling each other how it really works how how the world that they didn't create works mm. and what has it done for you and just seeing this broken kid you know and so that was but but remember that i mean i don't want i don't know i don't know if i want to go into the whole subject whole story of how i met this kid but he gave his life to the lord because he, all of his brainiacness could not get him fulfillment in just a single conversation from us from an eternal soul to another eternal soul. Yeah. Just you know, so Yeah. The this past week for the first time I've had I, I think breakthrough with a, a believer. I'm sorry, a friend who I hope turns into a believer. because um, he believes there's a God, he believes that Jesus Christ came but same, very intellectual, super intellectual. And for the last, gosh, over two years now, I've been, um, you know, periodically meeting with him. And he went from being almost atheist to then being agnostic Mm. to then believing that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. And day by day, it seems like, you know, just loving on him, seeing how he's doing, just loving on him. Now he, the last conversation I had, he's like, "Hey, would would you be down to go have a Bible study with me?" I'm like, "Absolutely, cool. dude!" Yeah. Like, I'm like, "Yeah, absolutely," because you could learn all the the facts, and the the deeper I go into the evidence, like apologetics, and you know, I love apologetics. The deeper I go, I'm still looking for that one fact that's gonna like prove to the world yes, that exactly. that Jesus Christ is is the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah. I'm looking for that one fact so like, like yeah, we could like, scientifically prove it, you or know, or just the perfect you know approach, like yeah. the perfect approach, mm-hmm. you know, like dude, you just got to start. And I see that happens a lot with people. It seems like the more experience they have in ministry and evangelizing or whatever the more they sort of create this recipe. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, you got to start with this. Like you mm-hmm. got this, you're going to minister, so you got to start with this. And I'm not against that, dude. I mean, there's some great formulas that people have come up with mm-hmm. that are very effective. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, the the one thing is that I always see is that it, if when it's a work of man, it's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. And when it's a work of God, it's just God. Like yeah. just him. I, don't, I couldn't tell you. I, I, mean, I could have met that kid a day earlier and it wouldn't have worked what I said, you know? Yeah. It's orchestrated the living God in a person's life. And to your point, like, you know, the perfect, you know, fact, you know, people thought that they came up with the perfect way to describe the Trinity with the ice, you know, right. and the water or the, the banana. And then, but then there's holes in some of that mm-hmm. stuff, you know, you start boiling it down and you're like, well, that's the reason why, you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't apply, you know? And, so you're, it's not about that. It's not about, you know, coming up with the perfect formula. It's yeah. about letting God work through you, you know, to minister. And to the point of like your friend, right, who's who's been 
slowly changing like see what's happening is there's no authority on the lines that he's drawn in his life like well i like you'll talk to a person they'll simply give you their lines and be like well i believe in jesus but or i believe in god but i believe also that he started it with it he started evolution mm -hmm. you know or they'll come up with and like where you, you ask yourself like where like where did they get these lines mm -hmm. who gave them to them is just their own mind they dreamed it up or they just said oh this i heard somebody say this once and i like that that feels like a comfortable way to get christians off my back you know what i mean i'll just mm -hmm. say this or whatever and what you find though in a relationship you build with somebody is that there, there's no set lines in their heart because there's no authority that gave them those lines so it's they constantly are just open to wherever they stand at that time mm. And as walls get torn down or whatever relationship gets built, they're changing their, where they're drawing their lines. But the Christian's not doing it. He's not like figuring out a formula to make that happen. Like it's because that person's been standing on something that's not solid. It's not, mm -hmm. it's not foundation, you know, and at the end of the day, what it is is that us as Christians rely on the authority of God as the highest authority yeah. on everything. Mm. And so they don't stand in their perspective. And it's important for Christians to rem remain not just standing in their perspective. Yeah. You know, but standing in the biblical perspective or in a perspective given to us by Christ or God himself. So, yeah. And the Holy Spirit, I, I think for me, is the big right there. Then that's the, the step of faith because even I myself was thinking that I could find to prove even to myself, like, okay, this is the scientific evidence. Right. This is going to be the perfect. This is it. Yeah. Uh, and I had to come to a point where everything that I was getting was proof or, or, or um, kind of giving support that it was true, but it wasn't my, my solid foundation because the solid foundation I realized had to be Christ himself. Mm. And I was like, dang, like, I was studying, I'm still studying apologetics, but I was going deep and deeper and deeper into apologetics because I was looking for me to be able to kind of like just have all doubts dispelled completely 100% on the logical paperwork. Yeah. And then I found out that there's more evidence to me that shows that God is real, that Jesus Christ came to this world, died on the cross and resurrected, more evidence for it. Than, than it would to be atheist. Mm -hmm. There's a lot less evidence to, for me to have faith in being an atheist. For sure. But I realize that either way is a step of faith. Right. And, you know, yeah, to, to that point, like, y you Christians can get really heavy into just making sure that they're winning the debate, mm. you know, and that's not the goal, like, yeah. to win the debate, you know? But I want to say this back to what we first talked about, you know, is that person understanding their calling because there's people that that there is a necessity for that stance. There's there's people out there who are tremendous minds who are standing up for the faith, defending the faith mm. and um, their calling from God is 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 tethered together with their anointing, their gifts, the way their mind has worked, the way their minds do work and they're tremendous to have on your team as a Christian. You know, I hope that should God ever lead me to be a pastor of a church. I hope he'd bring along some of them for sure, because they're so needed in certain scenarios. I think the only thing that makes it dangerous is when you be begin to rely on that as the effectiveness mm. uh, of, of the world being saved. It's not, it's simply a tool in the hand of Christ again. Like, yeah. 
Jesus is what saves people, dude. And the Holy Spirit working through you, God working in you and through you loves people more than you do and can use even you to save them. Yeah. And that's the only perspective for anybody to have. Now, to what degree he's molded this vessel, whatever way he's done that, it varies. And so mm -hmm. you have like the a person who knows science really well or history really well or biology really well. And all of them have the fingerprint of God because he created them all. So you dig real deep into history, you're going to find God. You mm -hmm. dig real deep into science, you're going to find God. You, you know, biology, even... Uh, location you know like what is that what is that the study of like archaeology oh yeah, yeah, yeah all those things you're gonna find the fingerprint of god because he's the creator but to 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 herald one of these things as the way that people are gonna find out that god's real it's just unrealistic because mm. we're we're again we're all just those kids in the room who are trying to find out who knows more but when the adult walks in he's the authority and in that scenario god himself is the authority on the subject and a relationship with Jesus is the only way to connect with God. And so we rely on God <laughs> to yeah. work through us and we rely on God to work in people's hearts and change their minds. And that's just the way it's always going to be. Yeah. No matter what vehicle you're driving in, you know, that's cool. Uh, I want to ask you kind of one more topic. Sure. Uh, before we wrap up our, our cast today, um, what are you going to be doing the next this quarantine let's let's just say like okay we maybe right now we're on what like a month and a half that's mm -hmm. the, what it's looking at um but let's say that for you right now like what it, what are you going to be doing uh in this time well i think this is one of them hopefully yeah. you know like mm -hmm. doing this like was clearly a decision to say yes to to me because it, it what it is is um and i'll touch on something and then i'll get off of it real mm -hmm. quick is because this is not trying to be something else, right? This is what it is, like, a, a, you know, a podcast or a dialogue that's being recorded and people can watch is not trying to be a supplement of something else. It right. just, that's what it is. And so it was a very clear yes for me to accept doing this because it's not me trying to be the pastor that I'm called to be within the medium that we have. Mm -hmm. Instead, it's me taking this opportunity to use it for what it is and use it to bring glory to God without putting anybody in danger and without, you know, without stepping outside of the guidelines that our society has given us at this time. And yeah. you can be a humble servant of God and you can obey the rules and you can do this. Right. And even then I was very cautious with the way that your parents respond to me coming over. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, it's full on, right. Yeah. That's, that's part of, that's uh, part of my light stepping yeah. with that is that mentality. So I hope to do more of this, you know? Um, but certainly this is not, Oh, I found the vehicle. Right, you know, right. A, so we were many different things before the virus hit, as far as ministry-wise. Evangelism, big churches, little yeah. churches. That outreaches. sounds really scary, by the way. That sounds like incredible. Just I know. To say that. Uh, and before the virus hit, we were many things mm -hmm. out of the face. And we've been reduced away from the many things that we identified with as like how god works and what god does and we've all been funneled right and so you gotta ask yourself that one should we come out of this what is most pleasing to god and what does he want to come through the fire mm. 
And then the other idea that we don't know what coming out of this even looks like. Will the world never be the same? People talk about the, the next Great Depression. Like maybe our economy collapses mm. and there's no such thing as coming out of this, like going back to normal. And the one thing that remains, see, because you could lose the building, you could lose the, 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 the things that we've lost as Christians. We could lose the vehicles that we've been driving in for hundreds of years now. And what you will not lose is a man who is filled with the Spirit and who is surrendered to the will of God of whom God wants to work through. This is the only thing we haven't said goodbye to. Mm. To be honest with you, I'm thankful for the platform of Facebook, but there's almost a temptation of like, well, what would happen if you lost that too? Yeah. Because I did notice, I, I was thinking about this, you know, one of the things happening right now is because all people have is the technology that a lot of people's Wi-Fi is not working yep. right now. Like it's not functioning, it's not happening, it's not working. So what happens if you lose that, right? What if what if the the money disappears and you don't have whatever funds social media mm -hmm. and all that stuff? Now we're doomed. Now we have nothing left, you know? And that's not true either because you do not lose a man surrendered mm -hmm. fully to God, filled with the spirit and for God able to work through that man. And so what do I do? I hone that at this time. I, I have to spend, we all have to spend time on our knees and asking God to refine us as vessels who are effective. I'm not going to tell you what that looks like because then, because I don't know what that looks like. But I do know that God's not done working at this time. We're not just... There's a mentality that's creeping in. Like, it's just like, if we're faithful enough, we can pray ourselves out of the scenario so that mm. we can get back to doing the work of God. No, dude. Like, you're, you're either God's servant or you're not. And if you are God's servant, then what are you doing for God and for God's people and for, for his work, for his kingdom? And so right now, it's seizing every opportunity that is not Mikey-driven, but that is God-given mm. and utilizing it to its full capacity. Like I told you, and, and if, if this is something that people aren't cursed to do, then do it. You know, dude, if you're a Christian, you're a teacher, you're, you're, you know truth and you're filled with the Spirit, there's people around you. There's people around you that God wants to use you in their lives. And, you know, maybe, maybe you've walked by neighbors on the way to putting your Bible study together you know, on because you got to get there by a certain time. You've walked by people that you could have ministered to. And I'm not saying you were doing anything wrong then, but now that's not happening. Yeah. And how many people can you minister to? You know, hey, there's no rule. Like right now, they, they say safer at home, right? Yeah. But, but also they say like less than 10 people, right? And they say that as it stands right now. And they say that you practice the distance, right? Dude, I could talk to a person 20 feet away from me, 30 feet away from me. I could have a conversation with a person across the street, mm. right? And that's a person, a life, a soul. And I am a servant of God, filled with the spirit of the living God, working in my life and through my life because he loves that person. 
And and Christians need to utilize this because who 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 are people going to trust if we do come on the other end? Are they going to trust the people who love them and minister to them in times like this? Or are they going to trust the people that were just tied down until they were going to get their platform back? Right. Like, who would you trust? Mm-hmm. You know, if that's the servant of God and he's God's man. And can you love people enough for them to be your audience? You know, and let God work through you for them. And it's God seeing our hearts right now. Like, what what our hearts are, dude. Like, were we motivated because it was working? Mm. It was all working, you know? Or were we motivated because God loves? And he's anointed us to do, to demonstrate his love to people into a lost world, a hurting world, a sad world, a scared world. As long as um, social media is a platform, Minister to people, send scriptures or um, pray for people, but certainly don't say that this is the only vehicle we have. I think that's uh, not true. Yeah. And Christians need to be what the word Christian really means. Another thing I'll say is I I believe there's a lot of compromising Christians Mm. and now's the time to be the Christian that you like you knew you could be if you were like buckling down and reading and fleeing from temptation and, and serving God like be be that because people need that right now they need that more than imagine this dude imagine a world that needs Christians more than it ever has mm. and that's where we're at needs Christians because who they need is God but Christians are the vehicle in which God communicates to humanity. Mm-hmm. And so we need to be that to our to our neighbors. Like while you're throwing your trash out and they're throwing their trash out, that's an opportunity, you know? And they're across the street or whatever. You don't have to break the... You're walking a dog. You know, there's people out there. Getting, your dog's got to use the restroom, right? I mean, restroom. You just got to go, you know? And so when you're walking your dog, and you see a person and they're at a safe distance, you're not breaking rules, you know? Or if God leads you to go to your neighbors who have, you've become a familiar face and, and they know who you are and you go and you're not just with an organization that's coming to do your job as an or They can see that. They know that that's not what it is. And you go and you tell them, hey, would you like me? Those who are believers, you pray for them hmm. in person. And I'm not, I'm not saying anything against the, 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 but this can be taken from us. Right, right. You know, and, and, and to be able to minister to people in person. Because there's something about, I said this earlier when I was talking about, you know, things get lost in, in, in hearsay. You know, if I tell people, hey, Sal said to say he loves you, they're not feeling that you love them. Right? Mm-hmm. But if you look at a person in the eye and you tell them you love them, they're not only experiencing the words, but they're experiencing the person that's telling them. Right? Mm. And so... You know, when, when we're doing Bible studies as a supplement to our church, like I would normally be a pastor at a church right now, but because I can't do that, then I'll do this. Well, that's not saying to a person that this is me going out on a limb because I love them, right? And and I'm not against, dude, I think pastors should continue to do their Bible studies. Please mm-hmm. do. Please don't stop. That's what my that's my vehicle of receiving the word right now from a pastor is mm-hmm. online, right? But so I'm not saying anything negative about that, but I'm just saying that Christians need to utilize 
the opportunity to be going out on a limb for people in demonstration that they love people. And I don't mean that by breaking the rules. Right. Like, oh, I don't care what people say. I'm having church. I mean, whatever. That's your conviction. I'm not bashing you either, you know. But I'm saying being humble people that are that are abiding by the law of the land and that are Christians and have a calling and an anointing to... to Because I can only speak for myself. My anointing, it took a long time for me to really boil it down. But it's not just... I'm a teacher because I think there's people who are better teachers than me. It's not just that I'm a preacher because I think there's people who are better preachers than me. And so, and it's not about whether you're better than other people, but when I really refine it to what God's called me to do, I realize that God just reveals truths through his word in a way that I'm able to understand them. He does that. So he needed to do that for me because mm-hmm. when I read the Bible before I was saved, I would just see thou shalt die. And yeah, maybe it was an old King James. Mm-hmm. And that's why I was feeling that way. But I couldn't understand it. Even if I read an NLT, I had, a, I had attention problems. And I just, I would just get bored with my own slow reading before I would really engage with, with what was being said. Mm-hmm. And, but after I got saved and received my calling, I realized that what God does is he, by the Holy Spirit in me, he can simply communicate what the truth that's in the text in a way that I, this simple brain can understand it. And then my calling is to then relay that message Mm. to people. So God made something that was hard for me to understand, able for me to understand it. I turn around, take something that may be hard for people to understand, make it easy for them to understand Mm. it. That's all I do. That's all I do. And there's plenty of portions of scripture that I don't have all the answers for. And I certainly would rather point them towards other pastors and got brainiacs and people and i'm not saying to be lazy with learning like learn more add to your treasure and become a sharper tool but i'm just saying that there's always gonna be somebody who did it better than you yeah right and and if, if that's the case if we're just looking for the guy who does it the best well let's just bust out you know chuck smith who's dead and let's just put mm-hmm. his cds on or whatever you know his <laughs> yeah. recordings and everybody mm-hmm. should just listen to that but i believe that there's something that that can do and that is that through a living person that's in a room and the people that God brought in that room, he can minister to them. Or in this case, that person across the street yeah. or those neighbors that you're with. And so I will be, I will be toiling, not necessarily because I feel like I, I got to do something for God, but I will be looking for nonstop Lord. What, what do you want me to do at this time? Hmm. And utilizing that vehicle of God speaks to people through people. And that's what he made me to do. He made me to to sit and listen to him so he can make something that I formerly couldn't understand yeah. understandable and then to turn around and relay that to people. And that's all I ever do. That's all I'm ever going to do from here on is do that. But obviously, you know, you get better at it or more comfortable with it or whatever. And you got nothing to fear now. If you're out there, like, dude, you, you're like in your head, that's a pastor over there and I'm just me. Well, we're all in the same boat right now. All of us. Like, you know, your your podcast is going to be as boring it's going to be as lame as some kids who doesn't have a big church there may be a pastor who has a thousand people but his podcast sucks or his like mm-hmm. you know his equipment and he's just awkward with it there may be a kid who was nobody he was not a pastor but because he's just this is the only vehicle he has and now all of a sudden god's using him we can't we're we, on the same platform, we're on the same platform. Yep. it's really yep. weird and mm-hmm. even bigger than the facebook platform is just a one-on-one yeah what that's all we have right now like in in person is just one-on-one 
Yeah. And there's one thing that me and you talked about, and I don't want to go, you know, start adding new subjects too much, but there's one thing that me and you talked about, and that was um, over a phone conversation was the loss of fellowship. Mm. I mean, dude, we turned fellowship into something that people didn't even really understand what that means. Like we, we're going to start a Bible study right now. Right. And then afterwards we want you guys to have 10 minutes of fellowship time. Mm-hmm. Like people don't even know, know what that mean, what that vehicle look what it yeah. means to get in that vehicle like hey how are you doing i'm john like what do you do like oh, i'm a carpenter like cool man good to meet you john like they don't know fellowship mm-hmm. is the spirit of god working through you and the spirit of god working through me and us coming together and the different things that you're learning and have learned and the t- different tool that you are sharpening me and mm-hmm. and the different tool that i am than you and what god's showing us and the bible instructs us to do this and come together and and iron sharpening iron and that that's something that i would dare to because there's churches out there had solid fellowship i'm not yeah. saying that was gone but it certainly was was diminished yeah because we're all so wrapped up in what you know how we figured out we know god works right and so now we're forced to not have those other vehicles and all we have left is this hasn't this vehicle hasn't been taken from us like Mm -hmm. fellowship like right now me and you are fellowshipping and Mm -hmm. even if nobody ever watches this video like we're talking to each other and it's sharpening me and hopefully sharpening you. I know it's sharpening you. That's that humble, fake humble approach. Hopefully you're getting something too. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, this is great. Yeah, it is, and it's and if and we're doing something right mm-hmm. now, and we're not we're not just surrendering to the only vehicle we have, dude. A podcast has never been more than this. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe people are better at it. I'll give them that. We, this is my first dive into it. I've never done a podcast. I've never done a podcast myself. <laughs> <laughs> so you know that it might suck in that way, but but it's certainly not. A supplement of something greater it just yeah. is it just is what it is and so I, that's why i want to do it and i want to encourage other people to do it maybe other pastors or whatever right to come on maybe you can you have pastor friends dude maybe mm-hmm. you can invite other guys on here and do this dude and that way it's just it's naturally a conversation you know and them talking to you and it's not like you know like right and, and, yeah and i i do think that gosh the fellowship that we, you and i had talked about we got to go get back to having a real conversation with people. Right. We even the the idea of of having a dialogue with someone for more than fifteen minutes is like it's a it's a chore now. Yep. It's turned into like oh to talk with someone from about especially when you bring in the the idea of talking about someone when it comes to the Lord, like fellowship is turned into we're gonna go to. Uh, chilies after service and or denny's wherever it might be and we're gonna we're gonna eat and talk about the game we're gonna talk about relationships we're gonna talk about all these other things but without the lord bring brought into it i think it's cool to talk about what's going on in your life right but if it's absent from the lord it's not being in it it's not fellowship (laughs) it's true Um, so uh, I, I do. I want to thank you, Mike, for for taking the time to do this dude, for thank, sure. Thank you for bringing me on here, dude, yeah. giving me an opportunity to do something in this time, mm-hmm. dude. You know, yeah. thank you for that. Yeah, Let, uh, let's pray for our listeners. Let's pray for those who are out there. I don't know if you have any personal prayer requests you'd like me to lift up um, before we end close this. I just I just want to pray for my wife and my daughter. Okay. Yeah, and it's not even like. I love them and mm-hmm. they're in my and they're in my world right now, you know, and just I, I love them and I want to be a better husband and better dad. Awesome. Okay. 
Super cool. Let's pray. Let's pray, and then we'll end it. Heavenly Father, we come before you. Lord God, I thank you that you've given us opportunity, Father, just to, to meet in this way. I pray, Father, that you'd be glorified through what we're doing, that you'd be glorified through our lives. And I pray and I ask, Lord, that you would bring your grace into our life more and more, Father, that we'd have your peace. And Father, that we'd recognize that we are talking, Father, to the, the creator of the universe. There's nothing too hard for you. So we lift up these prayer requests to you, Lord God, in faith. I pray for protection, Father, for Pow and for Roe. I pray, Father, for Mike, you just continue to bless him, bless his family. Lord God, just continue to, to work in his ministry, Lord, and the, the call you have in his life. I lift up our, our friends out there to you, Lord God. Our, our friend Nick, uh, I pray that you would just completely, Lord God, heal him, Lord, and um, Father, be with his family. I lift up to you our family members and those who we are going to be reaching out to in this time, Father. I pray, Father, for the church as a whole, Lord, that we would be people who are brought back to that relationship, brought back to the simplicity of the gospel. And Lord God, to, to fellowship, Lord, where it's just spirit-led. I pray, Father, for the things that we talked about, Lord God, that you would uh, just confirm those lessons in our heart. Confirm, Father, what it is to, to be in, with integrity, Lord God, to be men who, who fear you, Lord men and women who fear you. I pray, Father, that you just bless this, uh, bless this day. Uh, be with us. Be with your church, Father. Uh, just use us. Equip us. Father, fill us with your Holy Spirit that we might go forth, Lord, and just continue to spread your gospel, Father, that we would continue to, to be Christ-like, Father, as we go out. We love you, Father. We praise you. We thank you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Cool. Well, again, thank you, Mike, for coming on mm -hmm. the cast today. Um, we'll see if we can get some stuff going on in the future. I do want to say, if you guys uh, are tuned in, we're going to have uh, our church uh, Sunday morning service uh, via online tomorrow morning. So tune in for that. But uh, I hope you guys are blessed by this. And uh, God bless. All right. Take care.